Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer, a podcast series where our experts discuss the latest market developments and put the headlines in perspective to set you up for the coming day. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Moving Markets podcast. My name is Mike Grauber. I'm an investment writer at Julius Baer in Zurich, and I'm, de- I'm delighted to be joined today by my teammate Alexander Peterson, investment writing, who has all the latest on the market action over the past hours, Mathieu Racheté, head of equities research on this week's passage of the Inflation Reduction Act in the US, and importantly, its impact on equities, Dario Messi, fixed income research on fixed income markets in light of today's US CPI release. So with that, let's get started. I hand over to you, Alexander, for the markets wrap. Please go ahead. Good morning, Mike. U.S. technology stocks fell for a third straight session on Tuesday after a gloomy revenue forecast from chip makers raising concerns of slowing demand. The Philadelphia Semiconductor Index sank 4.6%, its biggest loss in almost two months, after Micron Technology cut its revenue forecast. The tech-heavy Nasdaq 100 index closed at a down of 1.2%. The Nasdaq 100 had briefly jumped as much as 20% from its June low early Monday, but the report stoked concerns that the rally have may have gone too far, causing the index to retreat from that milestone. The S&P 500 index fell 0.4% on light summer volume, with seven of the 11 major industry groups in the red. Led by declines in consumer discretionary and information technology sectors. Focus now turns to consumer price index for July, which is due later today, as traders will be closely watching for signs that inflation is peaking. Expectation is that U.S. consumer price inflation cooled but stayed elevated in July from a year earlier at 8.7%, while the core reading may have quickened on an annual basis to 6.1%. How the figures affect views on the Fed tightening will be key for risk sentiment. Already reported in China, consumer price inflation accelerated to 2.7% in July, the highest level in two years, but missed economists' expectation. The producer price index climbed to 4.2% below the median forecast and down from June. The Hang Seng index is down by 2.2%. The CSI 300 is down by 1.1%. For Japan, the PPI released this morning is at 8.6%, little more than expected. The Nikkei 225 is down by 0.7%. The German CPI is also out at 7.5%. This is as expected. Later today, Russia will release their CPI data. Some key market data, the Bloomberg dollar spot index was steady and the euro is at 1.0215 against US dollar. The yield on a 10-year treasury is at 2.79% and the German 10-yield is at 0.91%. West Texas intermediate crude is trading at $90 a barrel and gold is at $1,792. In the digital asset world, Bitcoin is trading at $22,900. Elon Musk sold 6.9 billion shares of Tesla. 
the billionaire's biggest sale on record, saying he needed cash in case he is forced to go ahead with his aborted deal to buy Twitter. In the corporate news, earnings are out for Adhol Delhi's Prudential and Walt Disney. Lastly, equity futures are trading negatively ahead of the US CPI release later today. That's all for me today. I wish you all a great day and I hand it back to you, Mike. Thank you very much, Alexander. The Senate has passed the Landmark Inflation Reduction Act, a major win for President Biden. But what does it mean for equities? I hand over to you, Mathieu. Thank you, Mike, and good morning also from my side. As you mentioned, you know, the US Senate passed a landmark tax and climate bill over the weekend. The bill, um, also formally known as the Inflation Protection Act, is a fiscal package of the size of roughly 430 billion US dollar. The majority um, of it, of the bill, goes to climate and clean energy initiatives. But if you look here on the funding side, uh, the bill also includes a provision to apply a minimum 15% tax on large corporation and a new 1% tax on share buybacks. In addition to that, uh, the bill also includes some measures that allow the government to negotiate to lower prescription drug prices. So what's the impact on equity markets? Um, if you look on the, on the, on the tax increases, the 15% minimum tax rate for large corporations and the 1% tax rate in share buybacks, this together lowers the earnings of the S&P 500 by roughly 1% next year. So not really a big game changer. And we haven't seen a big reaction in the market over the past trading days uh, when it became likely that the bill will be approved. But where we actually have seen some market reaction in the past two weeks in anticipation of the bill has been in the pharma space. Why? Um, that's because, as we already mentioned before, the bill includes some measures that allow the US government to negotiate with the pharma companies to lower prescription drug prices. Um, there are actually three main parts um, of that. The first one is that drug price increases are capped to inflation. Uh, we actually do not really expect, you know, to have that this will have a big impact. Um, yes, you know, it will limit fle the flexibility to set prices for the pharma companies, but uh, that may mean that initial pricing will just be a little bit higher to offset that. The second one is the Medicare Part D reform. So that's the part of Medicare which covers prescription drugs. And this is the one which will make the biggest difference for patients because it directly caps their spending on healthcare. Um, at the margin, you know, it's even a net positive for certain drugs because it increases affordability and therefore also volume. Um, so the third one, um, you know, the direct price negotiations between the government and the pharma companies. And that's really the big part which keeps pharma investors awake at night. So what does it mean? It means that basically for some drugs, after some time, um, the price will be negotiated such that a discount will be applied to it. So which drugs are affected here? Um, it's actually the drugs which are not facing biosimilar or generic competition and who have been first been approved 13 years ago for biologics or nine years ago for small molecules. And these measures will apply from 2026 onwards. Is it really a, that big of a game changer? We actually don't think so. Why? Um, because for, first of all, most drugs affected by that are really already close to patent uh, expiry or already face price competition. So for the most affected drugs, 
discounts um, in um, which will start in 2026 will only affect a year or two of sales. And secondly, we will also likely see a reaction from the farm industry to this new rule. Um, so the farm executives know that as soon as the drug is approved, the clock starts ticking. Therefore, we expect them to change the development and sales pattern going forward. So instead of, you know, just developing drugs for a small patient group first, which is easier to get approved and then expanding to a large uh, patient group, the pharma companies will just wait until they have the data for the largest patient groups before going live to the market uh, with, the, with the new products. So net-net, you know, it's still a slight negative, but manageable and without any big EPS impact before, at least not uh, before 2026 for the big pharma companies. So overall, uh, we still continue to like pharma stocks, which usually perform well in an environment of high inflation, slowing growth. That's all from my side, and uh, with that, back to you, Mike. Thank you very much, Mathieu, for your interesting comments. Later today, July U.S. inflation figures will be out, as we've already heard from Alexander. Dario, what is your take from a fixed income perspective ahead of the data release? Yes, good morning to all of you. Uh, exactly, Mike, uh, you just mentioned it, CPI day. For sure, the, the most anticipated data print this week. And the investment community is looking out for any signs, what it means for markets. And more specifically, obviously, what does it mean regarding the next step of the Federal Reserve? Yesterday, also in this podcast, you talked about the job market report. So the, the rather strong set of numbers posted last week uh, led already to this repricing in, in rate hike expectations. And also last week, we had several FOMC members making it very clear the Fed is determined to bring down inflation, first priority. And I think the print today has similar market moving potential, at least. Um, we saw already how the probability mass derived through uh, the, the overnight rate swaps shifted quite quickly upwards towards the 75 basis points um, for the Fed hike, away from the 50 basis points consensus hike for the September meeting. Now, we heard it before, the year-on-year -year print for the July CPI reading today is expected at 8.7%. Um, this would, and I know it sounds a bit strange at these levels, but this indeed would be a rollover from the 9.1% print the months before. Um, the good news definitely, at least from the energy side, that the energy prices should be a drag in the July reading uh, printed today given this sharp drop that we had in, in gasoline prices last month. Um, but we observed already earlier in the year that there is this broadening of price pressure uh, also into the elements with uh, stickier prices in, in the consumer basket. And shelter is definitely still on top of mind. And, and this is likely to show further increases as rents continue to adjust upwards. But overall, we also think that Going forward, the year-on-year -year readings should move towards the right direction, down. Um, obviously, just down, this is not enough, given the high levels. What we and certainly the Fed wants to see is this sustained pass towards the 2% average inflation target. Now, looking at the bond market, the, the bond market pretty much started to position for this kind of low but positive growth and more moderate inflation. Um, almost the old world, um, but only almost. Uh, remember, we don't have QE anymore. Um, this is certainly an important point still. 
We have the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield that stopped this brutal rise, and in fact, is much lower compared to the June highs now. And also on the credit side, uh, we talked about it, spreads of riskier segments, well, they just came down remarkably in recent weeks, uh, close to their longer-term median. And yeah, what do we do out of it? Look, the market still somehow needs to understand what quantitative tightening at the end and the reduction in liquidity really means for the price-finding mechanism. Uh, the energy crisis is still unsolved, and the Fed is committed to fight until we see results. So from a fixed income strategy perspective, it still makes totally sense to avoid the lowest rated and weakest balance sheets. But at the same time, we don't think that it is really necessary to unload all credit risk. That's it from my side. Um, happy CPI day and back to you, Mike. Thank you very much, Dario. With that, we conclude today's episode of the Moving Markets podcast. Thank you very much to our speakers and thank you for tuning in. We do hope that you'll look out for the next edition of our daily Moving Markets podcast. Goodbye for now. You have been listening to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Baer, our people, or our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbear.com. This is a podcast disclaimer. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. The podcast content is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer, a recommendation, or an invitation by or on behalf of Julius Baer to buy or sell any securities, security-based derivatives, or other products, or to participate in any particular trading strategy in any jurisdiction. Julius Baer does not accept any liability for any loss arising from the use of the podcast content. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information.